Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the easy bake oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. How about it? Hump day. Welcome in. Wednesday, May 24, 2023 edition of the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host, Gabe Coon on Twitter at G underscore Coon. 71, former Memphis Tiger, offensive lineman. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show, newly downloading Max last night and uh, nerding out over uh, the, the contents in Max, formerly HBO Max. That would be Connor Dunning on Twitter at cdunning929. Connor, what's happening, brother? What's up, man? What's up? Was it was it a good night on Max? I see. I was I was standing in in solace with my folks that are annoyed with the switch up here and having to re-download. I did not re-download last night. It drove me crazy having to re-download it. What drove me even more crazy is that it was like buried in the app store. It wasn't easy to find, but I found it. How it, it. On, on launch day, it's I know. not easy it was, to find. It was ridiculous. But it, weirdly enough, today the controversy about Max has been the credits. And like, for instance, people have been using the example Raging Bull. It's Martin Scorsese isn't given the director... De Niro isn't given like lead actor stuff on the credits. When you look at the description, weirdly enough, I watched Raging Bull last night and noticed that myself, and okay. was like, "That's weird." <laughs> well, I was like, "Why is it saying that the that Frank Vincent is the lead of Raging Bull, which he is not?" So there's that controversy. We do have uh, other controversies. Yes, to discuss today <laughs> on the show. Three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. Controversy I'm talking about is John Morant. And Instagram stories. Love you, Ma. Love you, Pops. You the greatest baby girl. Love you. Bye. And it led to a uh, welfare check by Shelby County Sheriff's Department. I, uh, well, we'll talk about it in a moment as we get into overreaction and not an overreaction. But there's plenty more on the show to discuss outside of what has uh, occurred with Ja. Um, I have some college football news to get to. I, I want to talk about... Uh, a, a transfer, a certain transfer that we saw at UCF, but he went Auburn, Kentucky, UCF, and he's transferring again. He was a highly rated quarterback out of college, or out of high school, I should say, top 100 guy, but now he's going to play tight end at Louisville. 
one Joey Gatewood. And I, I mean, good Lord. At some point, I just feel like your, your college football day should come to a close, but Joey Gatewood's not going to do that also. Uh, when it comes to NIL, I, I don't know if people have heard about Bear, know who Bear Alexander is. He's from, he was a transfer from Georgia, D. Lyman, really talented guy, really highly rated prospect out of high school. He's transferred to USC, and he posted on TikTok yesterday about what he's done as far as his uh, lodging, his housing is concerned, since he, uh, since he got on campus at USC. It's pretty... Pretty wild, and I think there's an interesting discussion to be had about NIL money and what it looks like now at the collegiate level, especially in college football. We'll talk about that. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins at 5 o'clock in his normal slot. Jeff Calkins, show 9 to 11, Daily Memphian columnist, 6 o'clock. Can't wait to have this conversation because, Ja, all the, all the nonsense, what, what the Grizzlies need to do in the offseason, haven't caught up with Eric, but Eric Hasseltine. Radio voice of the Grizzlies will join at 6 o'clock. Then we'll hop into the Blitz. In the Blitz, Adrian Peterson, we have some news there. He's not retired. Can you believe that, Connor? He's not retired. He says I, he, I assumed he was. I, I mean, he hadn't played since 2021. I just right. assume, He says he's waiting around for an opportunity. I, why? <laughs> like, what, what's the reasoning behind being 38 years old and being a, a body blows running back? I I just can't get – I mean, Frank Gore did it for a long time. I have a lot of respect for Frank Gore and how many seasons he played. Adrian Peterson's played a lot of seasons. But, like, when is when is enough? Have we ever had a 40-year-old running back in the NFL? Have we ever gotten to that? There's or, no way. That's what I'm saying. I mean, 38's probably the oldest. <laughs> well, 36, two years ago I mean, for Adrian Peterson. If it's crazy LeBron's playing basketball at 38, <laughs> and running back at 38 would be insane. Imagine meeting a middle linebacker in the hole at 38 years old. But Adrian Peterson says he has not hung it up. Also, we're going to have some sports business news to get to as ESPN prepares for layoffs. But in the meantime, a lot of people seem to be uh, annoyed that $30 million of layoffs are happening while Pat McAfee is getting prepared to take over Max Kellerman's time slot on ESPN and making ten to fifteen million dollars a year, so that will be of a of a large discussion as well. In small talk, I have to make fun of our presidential process how we how we uh, how we find our our presidents. Uh, if you heard about this real quick before we actually uh, get there, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, did you did you hear how he is uh, going to announce that he's running? In 2024? Unfortunately. Twitter spaces. <laughs> Twitter spaces with Elon Musk. With Elon Musk. It's like they got an NBA podcast. Oh, my God. I, my gosh. And I hate Twitter spaces. I don't know about you. Are you a Twitter spaces guy? No. I hate <laughs> them. There's bugs, and, and no. like people don't mute their mics when they're supposed to mute them, and you get too many people talking over you. I, I am not a Twitter spaces person. Some people have gotten involved, but Ron DeSantis and Elon Musk will be on Twitter spaces to announce... Ron DeSantis running for president in 2024 for the GOP. Twitter spaces. <laughs> you know how people Come say on. don't read the comments? Twitter spaces is just Stay the comments. Out. That's just what it is. Exactly. Yeah, it's it, just comments coming to life. Yeah. It's YouTube comments, like under a YouTube video. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter mentions. Same it's, people that are yeah. like in mom and dad's basement just sort of <laughs> hanging out. Eating microwave. Eating, uh, eating, uh, uh. Uh, TV dinners. Hot pockets. Ma! <laughs> Where's the meatloaf? Heat up that meatloaf, Ma. Oh, I was doing South Park, but that one works too. Yeah. yeah. No, um, in the meantime, let's get off of that and get into 
Overreaction or not an overreaction? Now, it's overreaction or not an overreaction. We are the wild and crazy guy. That's crazy. Chill, homie. On the Gabe Coon Show from 92.9. All right, Gabe. Shelby County Sheriff's did a welfare check on John Moran after a series of Instagram stories where he said goodbye to his mom, dad, and daughter. Upon conducting the check, they found that he was trying to signal that he was taking a hiatus from social media. So my question to you is, is this a there is nothing to see here situation? Oh, gosh. Um, So there's nothing to see here is the statement there. We're talking overreaction or not an overreaction. I'm going to go overreaction. There's something to see here. It's not pretty. It's not that substantial. But if you just go through his Instagram stories, the amount of speculation with, with mental health and how aware we are of mental health, seeing love you, ma, love you, pops, love you, baby girl, bye, and Instagram stories back to back, four different ones that have been deleted now. Your mind does the worst things. Like, where, where is his mindset right now? Is he going to harm himself? Those are the real questions you have. Like, that's a scary proposition. And I don't think that Ja Morant meant to get that message across in that way. Do I think that Ja posting these things, was there a little bit of a, a, a part of him that was attention-seeking? Sure, I do believe that. But I don't think he wanted the Shelby County Sheriff's at his damn house. Now, I do have a question. Who called in the welfare check? Was it everybody? Was it a collective thing? Do you think they had multiple conversations with the Shelby County Sheriff's Department um, and, and, and different people around the city trying to go get a welfare check on Jaw? I mean, was it you, Connor? Did it, you call it? It was one? not me. It was definitely not me. Um, I'm not sure. If I had to guess, it could have been someone within the organization that sent it. Who knows? Who knows? It could have just, I feel like it was just random folks that saw the Instagram story. Maybe. And wait on every whim to hear what John Morant has to say or what he has to post. Um, But it turns out, after all that, he wasn't in any danger. He's just trying to say through these Instagram stories that he is taking a break from social media. Good Lord, man. (laughs) You could have just said your – you know what? Here's the thing. If I'm taking a break from social media, you know what I do? I take a break from social media. (laughs) I get off. I don't have to have a farewell post. I know a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm taking a hiatus, and they go on Twitter, I'm taking a hiatus, and people are like, oh, can't wait to have you back. Yada. I don't need to tell you that I'm getting off social media. Just get off of it. Just get off of it. And I, I hope through all this that he's learning how things come across is the most important thing. I hope he is, and that's a question I have because I don't think John Morant at this point understands how cognizant he has to be of his messaging to his fans, tens of millions of followers across platforms, social media platforms, every one in this city. There's a lot of people around the country nationally. They're paying attention. Now for Ja, I I still understand the fact that maybe he's still trying to get used to fame and fortune. And, you know, he comes from humble beginnings, 3,000 people in Dalzell, South Carolina. You know, like he wasn't a big recruit, went to Murray State, had to stay there for two years. He's still getting used to those things. But he's not like the rest of us. I could post something similar, and family and friends would reach out to see what the hell's wrong with me. 
They'd say, are you good? And I'd say, no, I'm just taking a break from social media. Don't take it the wrong way. Should I take it down? Oh, I should probably take it down. If Ja posts it, it becomes a national story. <laughs> Four different Instagram stories that may lend you to, to, to believe that he may harm himself is a national story. It's, it was the first story on ESPN as soon as he posted these Instagram stories. Media, social media speculation, it all comes when John Morant posts something like this. For the rest of us, no, that's not how it works. That's what happens, though, when you are in a fishbowl, right? When people see your every move on social media, when you're so involved. And I understand, like, his generation, our generation, I mean, he came up in just full social media world. He probably had social media when he was 10 or 11 or 12. Like, he was young, probably had a cell phone young. I didn't get a cell phone until I was in, in high school. Like, he's so connected. But at some point, you have to realize what you're doing when you're putting out posts and how people are going to view them. This continues to show me, as a lot of these incidents have shown me, Ja does have a lack of understanding of his position and where he's at in the world, and the following that he possesses. Outside of that, I don't have a strong take, right? He clearly doesn't quite understand the position he's in right now, and we know that already, but this is just another example. In the end of the day, though, I think R-E-L-A-X, relax. We're going to still deal with other things with John Morant. We're going to have an NBA suspension pending. We're going to see some more things happen this offseason with the Grizzlies as a whole. He, he may get back on social media at some point, which I would not uh, prefer at this moment, but John Morant's very connected. I just think everybody needs to step back for a second and see how Ja reacts to all of the things that have happened around him in the, in the, in the past year, and uh, then, we'll, then we'll go from there. But this is just another iteration of John not understanding where he's at and his place in the world, which is a very high place. Right. I think you I think you absolutely nailed it. You know, I feel a lot of sympathy for Ja in this moment. He seems like someone who's going through a lot, someone that's hurting. And I do think that part of his social media post this morning was he was looking for some love. He's somebody who has had a tough couple of weeks. He's had a tough year, if you want to say that overall. And that is true. And it really did feel like, you know, I'm going to be leaving social media. I'm going to do it in a little bit of a dramatic way. I'm going to get <laughs> yes. some love. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think he – I still think he is yet to realize how big his reach is and how much of an impact every single post that he has has on an audience. And, you know, this is one of those instances where I think it weirdly shows the good and the bad side of social media because, you know, I think it is, you know – nice that people rallied to make sure that he was okay. I think that that shows the good side of social media. That shows the empathy that can come from it. But at the same time, people did overreact and they took what was ultimately innocent posts about leaving social media and they turned it into a big deal really fast. And it happened without anybody talking to John. It happened without, uh, you know, but at the same time, like John left up the interpretation to be that. That's what I'm saying is that you got both the good and the bad sides of social media, but I think John needs to understand that he does have a responsibility. You can't just post things like that, especially after the last few weeks that that you have had. You need to understand that if you post something like that, it's going to scare people. And I think if fairly so, it freaked people out because he's a 23-year-old who's going through a lot right now. And he seemingly, you know, in moments feels like he might be going through it kind of alone. But he feels like he's self-isolating a little bit, which it, you're worried about it. So ultimately, I think he was doing it for a little bit of attention. I think he was doing it to get some love. 
But he does need to understand that if you're going to post something like that, it can be taken different ways. And I think it's another lesson about you've got to, you've got to get this social media thing under control, Ja. You do. Because I'm, I'm glad that he's okay. I'm glad that he got checked on. I'm glad it's not a big deal. But we shouldn't have to do this. This shouldn't yeah. have been a story. Right. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I agree. Um, I will say this about Ja. He does. He never wins the timing award. He <laughs> no, never no. wins. The, I mean, he doesn't. After all the Washington Post articles that weekend. He goes out in Denver, flashes a gun on his own Instagram live, right? And then he misses out on all NBA teams. Uh, not but a month later, about a month after that, after you think, okay, damn, he lost thirty nine million dollars. Maybe he's learning his lesson. He ends up flashing another gun on Instagram live, and then after that, when we know that there's going to be an NBA suspension coming, he says, "Love you, ma. Love you, pops. Love you, baby girl. Bye." On, on on social media to leave everything up for speculation because of everything that's transpired in just a short time. He never went like he's I, there's a social awareness that is missing there. And I understand you're 23 years old and you have to work through these things and you have to understand your position in the world, but got to understand it sooner than later. Got, we we got to get to a point quick that 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 he gets the reach he has or it it it's just you you continue to have misunderstandings like this you continue to have other situations arise like we've seen the past 3 months right and i've seen some people today make the argument that it's unfair to put this pressure or responsibility on a 23 year old and my response to that is like i don't know man that's he's not of, the only 23 year old he's not the only 23 year old doing deal this. With he's, these responsibilities you know yes yeah, social media is a big deal now it is di- more difficult for players to navigate a career now than it used to be no Hell doubt yeah. about it you hear nba players talking about that all the time you still you know if you want to be the guy if you want to do the interviews that you did if you want to make the money that you do you have to take the responsibility as well and you have to grow with that and i do think he will but we are having a crazy amount of, you know, growing pains right now. And we've got to get through that. Like, we've this got is to get le- through this, the growing pains. Today is kind of the least of our worries when it yes, comes to, ultimately, like, what, yes. has, what has transpired. But, again, it's just it, the more you see the lack of social 
awareness and placement in the world, the more you start to question, can he figure things out? Can he change who he is? You just have to sit back and watch. That's why I say relax. Just relax and watch what comes to us. I think ultimately, like if this was, I mean, if Tyus Jones posted these things and said he was taking a hiatus, I don't think it brings a welfare check to his house. We thought I'm going to be completely traded. honest. <laughs> we, we, we thought he'd be talking about a trade. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, like I, I don't think a welfare check gets to his house, but tens of millions of followers and a lot of people that care about his placement and where he's going after all of the transgressions, that leads to an insane amount, an unfair amount, in my opinion, of speculation, but it comes with the territory. Everything he's done, all of the, the discussion that's been had about him comes with the territory. He's got to learn. He's got to grow. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Just stop putting speed bumps in front of yourself. <laughs> it's as simple as that. But grow and learn. You'll be yeah, all right. No You'll question. Right. Next up, the Celtics won their first game of the Eastern Conference Finals on the road. They were 18 for 45 from three. Al Horford, Derek Wright, Grant Williams combined for 10 for 19 from three. Jason Tatum finished with 33, 11, and 7. So my question to you are, overreaction or not an overreaction, the Celtics are going to capture the 4 Red Sox magic and come back to win the series. Overreaction, come on. And no one's come back from 3 And if they do, great story for me. I can just say I was wrong because if you've ever tried to guess that someone's going to come back from 3 you've been wrong. You've been wrong, right? <laughs> there's, it's never happened. It's never happened. I think there's been a few that have come back to tie it up from 3 It's been 3-3, and then the team ultimately wins um, to, to uh, Game 7. To, to win, but no one's come back from 0-3. And the reason I really think this is an overreaction is this is the first time in the series we've seen them hit over 15 threes. In these playoffs, here's an easy stat to sort of look at if you think the Celtics are going to have success or they're going to lose. If they make 15 or more threes, they're 7-1. and one. If they miss, if they don't hit 15 or more threes, they're 0-6. It's a simple stat, and they hit 18. And everything else came together last night for them, even on the road. Al Horford, who has not been able to throw a pebble in the ocean, hit three threes. (laughs) Derek White had 16 points, three three three-pointers made. Grant Williams, who I respect, he shows a different level of intensity than I think a lot of the other Celtics players have shown. He brings it every single night. But last night, four for six from three, and he had great closing defense on, on Jimmy Butler. He had a block in that situation. Um, they, they played with their hair on fire last night. I, how much can you replicate that the rest of the series? You have to win three more games in a row. I mean, game five is going to be an interesting one because it's back at home. And, like, I've heard everyone come with the point of, well, you know, usually when a team's down 0-3, they're not the more talented team. The, other, the team that's up 3-0 is the more talented team, and this is the opposite direction. So if we were looking at an 0-3 comeback for the first time, I'd, I'd stake my money on this one. I, I still can't do that because no one's ever done it, and this can't be the first situation of all time where a more talented team has been down 0-3. But everything came together for them. I, I, I watched that game last night, though, Connor, and we have been banging this drum. Celtics fans have to be the most frustrated fan base involved in the NBA playoffs this year, the NBA season this year. They're capable of what they did last night every night, but you get it every three to four games. That is so frustrating. 
And, like, if they just played with desperation and intensity every night. Like, last night they had 27 points off turnovers. They had eight blocks. That fourth quarter they blocked every jump shot that the Heat tried to put up. Duncan Robinson got blocked. Max Struess got blocked. Grant Williams had a block on a Jimmy Butler uh, mid-range fadeaway. If you play with that type of desperation every night, you give the extra effort multiple times on the defensive end, you can win games consistently. You can be an NBA Finals contender. You can go win an NBA Finals, but you don't see that. I I don't feel for Celtics fans. I'll say that. They've won plenty in the past. Like, I don't feel for them, but I get frustrated watching this team, and I have no allegiance to them. Right. It was – they played – exactly how we thought they would in a way last night because we said at the beginning of this series, we said it at the end of last series, that unfortunately the most frustrating part about this Celtics team is that they are almost like the world's greatest procrastinators. They only play well when their back is against the wall and they have zero room for error. And that has to be extremely stressful if you're a Celtics fan and rooting for the Celtics because like you said, they are the more talented team. That is true. But at the end of the day, last night watching that game, Two things happened. One, their shots went in. Two, they actually had a good third quarter. It's the first good third quarter they've had in a very long time. But we were talking about this before the show. Did they actually do anything different last night than they have in the whole series except the shots going in? Make sure. Joe Missoula is – And that's where I was going. Joe Missoula is the NBA version of Nate Oates. Nate Oates. (laughs) Nate Oates. With Alabama, if you've watched that team since Nate Oates took over – It's make shots. That's the entire game plan. And when they get into those NCAA tournaments and they can't get over the hump, it's because their guys don't make shots when it matters. That's what Joe Mazzulla has been doing. He's just standing there clapping on the sideline. Just let's go, guys. He trusts them a little bit too much. And, like, I I, I get that as a good coach, uh, good coaches need to trust their players. But when you see things going south, call a timeout, adjust, see who, see what needs to happen, get the ball in Jason Tatum's hands more. If there's a hot hand, get it in their hands. He, he doesn't make the adjustments. He just sort of lets his team play, and I don't know if that facilitates every night winning basketball when you have the inconsistencies you see can, all the time, the inconsistencies with, with the, the Celtics on both ends. Yeah, that's why last night, I do think that the Celtics should take some pride in their performance last night. They came out with their backs against the wall, and they played one of the best basketball games they have the entire playoffs. It was impressive. It was a big win for them. They're back in this series, kind of, and they have a chance to make it interesting. Down at half, on the road, and in the second half, they they. They brought they it. Beat the hell out of them. They the brought heat. it. 66-43 in the second half, and there was like a 30-0 swing. You know, they had an 18-0 run and a 12-0 run. Right. Like, I mean, I, the Celtics in that second half played like they had something to play for, and I haven't seen that the rest of the series. The, the o- Heat look like the aggressor, right. and they're the guy ready to punch you in the mouth every single time. The Celtics finally brought that. And that's where I just, you know, the Celtics are the more talented team. I just have questions about whether they can replicate – 18 from 45 from three, four of their five starters hitting at least three threes. It was a lot went right for them last night. And, you know, the Heat, I thought, came out looking like they wanted to win the game, but they kind of took their foot off the gas, I think, once Miami or once the Celtics started hitting a ton of those threes. And, you know, I don't know what the concern level should be for Celtics fans that Jimmy Butler was smiling at them. Yeah, by, I was going to say, I, I, was, you know, I was about to mention that. And, did you notice Jimmy Butler smiling? And he did that last series, too. But And that's why I'm like, I know the Celtics played better last night. They really did. They were phenomenal. 
but they didn't do anything different from a game plan perspective. And you know that Spolster is going to have something up his sleeve the next game. You know that they're going to adjust. Are the Celtics going to roll it out and just rely on those three-point shots to fall again, or are they going to adjust? Because when you also look at the rotations again last night, they were kind of sporadic again. It was it was more of the same from the Celtics, except this time the shots went in. And that's why I'm hesitant to say that the Celtics are, are my, first off, my Red Sox, 04 yeah, Red Sox. I get right? it, I get let's, it. Let's I calm it. it down. They have the scrappiness. They have the talent. They do. They absolutely have that. I still have questions about whether they can replicate this. Well, and again, because we 03, haven't seen them put two games together yet. 03, coming back from 03, 03 in the NBA playoffs is quite literally legendary. It has never happened before. If it happens, tip the cap, right. great job, you knocked down shots for four straight games, and you made it happen. And I do think like if the Celtics do that again at home, win, it becomes a two-game series, and the Heat have a little bit of pressure on them, but the Heat don't seem to be bothered that much by pressure. They seem like they've seen death. Like I've said this entire series, they're like a, <laughs> they they have rose from the ashes like a phoenix, and they're here, right? But like coming back from 03 is as legendary as it gets. It will be the only time if this were to happen. It'd be the only time it ever happens. I cannot, in my right mind, say that the Celtics are going to do that. I just can't do it. They haven't been consistent enough. It's pretty damn simple. Listen, as a sports radio producer, it'd be great. It would be, be amazing. I just think it's still unlikely. I think it's still unlikely. I think, you know, it's. I just don't understand today people being like, the Celtics are the favorite again. It's like, what are we doing? It's like they're down 3-1. Well, I, 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 I hear the take At least of, another game. If it was ever going to happen, sure, it's going to happen now. Well, it's never happened still, so just put that in your mind. Like, yeah, they were also saying that about the Lakers. <laughs> I can't I can't do it. I know it's so, a legendary franchise so, and they're more talented, but no. Props to the Celtics, but you still have a long way to go. Yeah. And also I think I'm rooting for uh the Heat in I a am. lot of ways. I am at this point. Um because the Celtics are, you know, they've won a lot of championships. You wanna I mean the Heat have been really good in the twenty first century, but um also Jimmy Butler, have you heard about his music story that Nick Friedel wrote? No. He 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 handles all the music. Pre-game, and it's like everything. He goes and Nickelback apparently has like been a hell yeah, been a staple. It's, it, it, where are you at on Nickelback? Nickelback rules. Okay, yeah, I think I'm there too, man. Of course you. Why? Are. Wait, of course why, you are. Why is every because I mean, I people thought it was cool to hate on him for no reason? Because I guess rock, it's kind of it rocks. Yeah, kind of lame. You if know, you turn like, it on, why not? Here, here's what I'll say. I host trivia. Dad every jokes week. are lame too. I laugh at dad jokes. I host right? trivia every week. When I when I throw some Nickelback on every once in a while, people that, rage. The place goes nuts. <laughs> the place goes nuts. The crowd goes wild. The crowd goes Photograph, wild. Photograph saving me. Come on, we far away. We got they got a they got a really good repertoire that you can you can delve well, deep. Takes into. you back to the days of your dad taking you to Blockbuster on a Friday night <laughs> with a pizza. Ah, <laughs> oh, heaven, heaven. Riding around in the passenger seat with the fam with with mom or dad. Yeah, yes, that's sir. what it is. That's what it, it takes you back. Nostalgic. Nostalgic. Now, uh, we have plenty to talk about on the other side. And uh, we're going to switch gears. We're going to get away from the NBA for a second. I have some college football I have to bring up. We have a transfer that I, uh, I have some advice for on the other side. And also, um, Bear Alexander, he's a transfer. I don't have advice for him. He could probably give me advice with what I saw as far as his housing situation <laughs> and what it looks like now that he's transferred to USC and lives in the heart of downtown L.A., We'll, we'll get to that on the other side on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. 
guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. You must understand the touch of your hand makes my folks react. That it's only the thrill of boy-meeting girl opposites attract. It's physical. Well done, Connor Dunning, bringing us back to Tina Turner, who passed away today. 83 years old, Nutbush legend, man. Born in Nutbush, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Queen of Rock and Roll. What's Love Got to Do with It? I mean, to this day, one of the best songs ever made. Oh, what golly, a loss, man. We, uh, seriously, though, uh, absolute legend. And, like, you, you just you, you hope you have a, uh, a lasting image, um, a, a lasting. Uh, sort of legendary figure at times, especially in the, in the city of Memphis. And we have that in Tina Turner. And rest in peace. 83 years of age. She's an icon. I mean, I, absolutely. No question. It was, it, it's, it, no man, question. It stunk. Getting that notification today was, uh, was tough. Did I, did I also see she got voted in a, two separate Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions? Probably. I think I, I, think I saw that. I Probably. I saw that. But absolute legend. Today we say rest in peace to Tina Turner, 83 years old, nutbush, stand up. Today's the day. Today's the day. Great song, man. Great song. I'll be playing it all day. If you come out to Celtic tonight, you're, oh. going, you're going to hear it. Are you going to go full Tina tonight? We need no, I, no I won't go guys. full Tina. I'm going to go some Tina. Okay, just some. Yeah, I'll go some Tina. Mix it in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And no. Give shouts. Yeah. yeah. Salute. Salute to Tina Turner. Now, um, I, I have to tell you a quick story. About my time at the University of Memphis, when I was at the University of Memphis, I got redshirted my first year. I ended up spending five years um, there uh, playing football. Uh, Most people know that. I graduated in three and a half. So my last year and a half, I took classes but didn't get a degree out of it, right? I didn't get a degree out of it. I had my degree in journalism, minor in communication, and then after that, I didn't really get anything out of the education I was there for football for a year, tried to see what I could do uh, after that as far as, uh, as, far as uh, the, the NFL pro leagues were concerned. Now, there's a guy named Joey Gatewood that I have to bring up. He was a, a four-star top 100 recruit, according to 247, um, in the class of 2017, 6'5", 220 pounds. He was a quarterback out of Florida. He committed to Auburn. Everybody had high hopes for the guy. And you should. He's 6'5", 220 pounds. A lot of people are calling him the next Cam Newton. I think that's a little much, but he went to Auburn, so they wanted to do that for him. His career has not gone as intended. <laughs> it's just not, all right? So he got there in 2018, his first year, three rushing attempts, 28 yards, um, and then passing. Uh, he was 0 for 1. That's all, that's all he was able to accomplish. But then he ends up getting his red shirt. Uh, he moves on from there. And his career... Took a turn, right? He ends up going from Auburn, transfers uh, one time. He goes to Kentucky. Year at Kentucky does not go as planned. He goes to UCF. So we got to see UCF. He was a gadget guy at UCF, if you'll remember. Uh, he, he used to be sort of the, the goal line quarterback. He'd run a little bit. Uh, they'd try to do some gadget plays with him under center. Um, but he didn't, didn't do much. Ultimately, in his entire career, um, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and then rushing, he ended up having four TDs. 
And overall, 85 rushes for 300. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 180 yards. That's all Joey Gatewood has been able to accomplish. Last year at UCF, they tried to move into wide receiver, didn't accrue any stats at all. It was his senior year. But then I look on Twitter yesterday, or two days ago, I should say. And Joey Gatewood is transferring again, Connor Dunning. He's transferring again. This time to Louisville. This time, Jeff Brom is trying to move him to tight end. And 6'5", 220, he's got some athleticism. Sure, let's do that. But I remember at, at, at the end for me, at the University of Memphis, there was, there was a point where I said, you know what, I got to look for jobs. <laughs> I got I to gotta see what I want to do next. It obviously led me here, but I got to say, at some point, with all the transfer movement, with all of the, the extra years granted by COVID, I can't keep up with COVID math anyway, in, by the way. The eligibility math is just beyond me. But here's my advice. Get a job. <laughs> it's time to get a job, brother. <laughs> He's gone from four-star, five-star uh, uh, transfer at some places when he was transferring multiple times to zero-star. Tight end at Louisville. Now, granted, I hope it works out with this one year, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, football, you can move past football and find find other things to do. Just, just hang them up, man. I, just hang them up. You know, sometimes, you know, life calls for that sometimes. I had to do it. A lot of people have had to do it. I, I think Joey Gatewood's getting pretty close to that. I mean, shouts to him for evolving and, you know, surviving and advancing, I guess, but... <laughs> But honestly, like the the evolution part of it was sort of missed on him because he did he he always wanted to be a quarterback. Like transfer when he transferred to UCF, he wanted to be a quarterback. Uh, John Rice Plumley ends up getting that spot, and he gets shoved out. He, he tried to move in a wide receiver, didn't catch a ball, that type of thing. Like at some point, you just you have to realize enough is enough. So uh, I, I I wish the best for Joey Gatewood, but I think a job is probably the next iteration of what he needs to. What he needs to figure out. With I mean, his, he's been with in, his life. <laughs> he's been with enough coaches. Maybe he can coach. He's definitely hey, certainly seen different job, angles on the it? field. That's a job. Yeah, that's a job. You usually have to start as a GA. It's hard to work up, but hey, he's seen a lot of different coaching styles. What he likes, what he doesn't like. He's been in a bunch of different rooms. It's an astute point, Connor Dunning. It's an astute point. So we'll see what happens with with uh, Joey Gatewood. Now, um, I also came across another college football story that just it blows my mind. In the day, in this day and age of NIL. And how much money guys are getting out of high school when they transfer. I mean, we saw, uh, especially at USC, which is what I'm about to mention. Last year, Jordan Addison goes from Pitt to USC. He gets a house in the hills. He gets a car. He gets, you know, all these different promises based on an NIL collective that the USC uh, uh, boosters were putting together. And obviously, we've had conversations about University of Memphis. Is their NIL package good enough to bring on players? But in the end of the day, that money that is raised by those NIL collectives ends up in the hands of 18, 19, 20-year-olds. And former Georgia D lineman Bear Alexander, really good five-star, four-star recruit out of high school, depending on where you looked, he transfers, he goes off to USC. And 
he has a TikTok. He's got a lot of TikTok followers, um, and he showed off something yesterday. And I showed you this before the show, Connor. He has a new apartment in Southern California in the heart of downtown L.A. in a high-rise. I talk to a lot of buddies, and I know a lot of people. Uh, I have a buddy that went to USC and played football, had to medically retire. He was a defensive lineman. Uh, I know a tight end that went there. I have a DN that's still there. I know a DN that's still there. And those guys, before the NIL era, had to, if they were going to live off campus, have two separate guys to a one-bedroom apartment. You know, I've heard of four separate guys in a two-bedroom apartment. You know how L.A. and the money can get when you're trying to get an apartment, a condo, a house, how much it becomes. It's really hard to live there. You pay a lot when you go to Starbucks. You pay a lot for housing. You pay a lot for this, pay a lot for that. Every meal's a lot. But Bear Alexander showed off this new apartment, high-rise, in the heart of downtown L.A. City view, two bedrooms, a balcony, beautiful furniture. And it just occurs to me, this is so much different. Like, how far we have come in just such a short time to see where these guys are and the money and how much they're bringing in and where they're living and how they're living. It is just so beyond the pale to me. Being, you know, coming from where I came from, the University of Memphis, getting $1,200 for an off-campus off stipend per month, you know, just not a lot of money. These guys are taking in hundreds of thousand dollars per year. And Bear Alexander shows off his new apartment. Go to his TikTok. Try to go look that up. It's unbelievable. But with this, it does raise a, a question for me about, what are they being told behind the scenes about managing said money? Mm-hmm. We've heard a lot of horror stories. The 30 for 30 broke. Um, guys losing money very quickly. And let's be honest, you know, Barry Alexander probably will get his opportunity with pro football if he does well at USC, but it's not a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination. How is he spending that money? There needs to be, and I know that compliance departments are already absolutely inundated with work. Inundated. I mean, there's so many different people working behind the scenes and they've had to hire new people with the NIL uh, situation to, to check all this stuff. But what are they doing at these universities to try to help them manage their money? I have always long contended that our American education system, one thing we miss out pretty heavily is finances. People don't know how to do their taxes. People don't know how to, uh, to manage their money, balance a checkbook, do all these things. I wonder with the amount of money that these guys are taking in, Bear Alexander being the type of guy that that I'm talking about, how much are they learning behind the scenes? Because that's sort of a a unintended consequence, a a thing we need to make sure these guys know and understand. We need to give them the tools to be able to manage the money they're getting from NIL collectives behind the scenes. And it does, it makes it a little worrisome for me. I am glad they're getting the money. I'm glad to see Barry Alexander in a high rise in downtown USC. He brings a lot of money. He will bring a lot of money to USC and, and a lot of butts in the seats and a lot of attention, the entertainment value of what he's able to accomplish on Saturdays, Fridays, whenever they're playing, that, that he should be able to live a, a pretty substantial lifestyle close to professional football. Very, very similar. But at the same time, when that money dries up, if he's using it too quickly, 
Is there someone to tell him, to check him, to help him out along the way? That's the concern I have. Yeah, and that's why I was I was very curious when you told me about the story about if there were protocols in place, classes in place for these guys. Because, you know, I have minimal experience with it. Rhodes actually became the first D3 school to have an NIL deal. And they were, when, when, we, when I was there, it, we were very, very uh, cognizant of making sure that the student-athletes understand how this is going to work, going through classes, making sure that we pinpointed the right student-athletes the right coaches to use the money with because it, it can get it can get get big pretty fast, you know. And with these college kids, like you said, I have a, like I have a college degree. I took two finance classes, one in high school when I was a junior, and one in college when I was a freshman. You know, like I, I, money literacy for me wasn't a real thing. My dad had to teach me everything, and I feel like that's what it is for for most people. Their parents have to teach them, family has to teach. But then them. also, like when we're talking about family trying to teach some of these guys. Some of these guys don't come from money. No, that's that's, that's kind of the thing, my point. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of these guys don't come from money, and they don't have that money management. It's check paycheck to paycheck. Right. How some of their families are living, so they, like the management part of it is completely lost. Right. And and that's a frustrating thought for me, seeing people who are in similar shoes to where I was at the University of Memphis. Um, it, it's just it, it's a struggle for me to. Imagine 18, 19, 20-year-olds managing $200,000 a year smart. Right. And it, 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 now, granted, it's more than I had. And, it, you know, managing it when, when you have less is usually substantially harder, right? $1,200 a month for a stipend for off-campus living is not the easiest thing to live off of consistently. RP tracks, what's up? Yeah, for sure, right? <laughs> right? You got to, hey, uh, uh, cookout. Shout out cookout, man. Shout out, dude. You know, a dollar, two dollars for burgers and hot dogs Dude, and everything else. Little crumpies, right? oh. little crumpies. Well, yeah, crumpies, depending on the, the how many pieces you got a wing, it could it could get up there and, and, and cash. That's true. We, we know wing places can can upcharge a little bit, but um, I, I just hope these guys are getting the the attention as far as the financial side is concerned. I hope they get the attention that they need, and maybe that comes from agents getting involved, their marketing deals and everything else. But uh, to see where this money's being spent and to see how these guys are living, you have to start thinking differently. And you have to start moving differently and understanding your surroundings and understanding the amount of money you're getting in. And I don't know if there's – I don't know if the facilities, I don't know if the, the sort of infrastructure. The safety nets. The safety nets. I don't know if they're there yet. Right. It feels like – I guess the reason we're having this conversation is is there's a fear that the money came so fast for these student athletes, which is a positive thing. Yes. It's a good thing. These, yeah. these people, they deserve to be paid. 100% deserve to be paid. I just want to make sure that we're setting them up for success not only now but also in the future because it's so much money at one time. And when those college careers are over, it's gone. Yep. It'll be gone. So hopefully they are uh, preparing Unless you move on to the NFL. For post, yeah, yeah. But, but that's most student-athletes, and we see the, the NCAA commercials all the time where they talk about <laughs> how many student-athletes <laughs> there are and 5% of them become this. Right. Da, 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 da. Yes. So we know the numbers. So I just hope that these NIL students not only get set up for success now that they deserve, but also in the future. And no one we're not setting up for success. I read a story today on a gambling survey for 18 to 22-year-olds on college campuses. There's 3,527 people that got uh, uh, surveyed for this uh, between April 18th and 23rd. The survey was commissioned by the NCAA, uh, President Charlie Baker, new President uh, Charlie Baker, to establish a baseline of sports betting activity in the new gambling landscape in the U.S. And I, I've talked about it on the show. There's a lot of f- there's a lot of schools 
in the United States that have gambling sponsorships. Michigan State has one uh, with BetMGM. Then they show it up there uh, while you're at the stadium. So they, they have these sign-up bonuses for a lot of people uh, of gambling age on college campuses. And some of the, some of the uh, interesting returns on this survey, 58% of respondents on these college campuses – Again, 3,000 people, NCAA President Charlie Baker put this out there. 58% of respondents have participated in sports betting activity. Wow. 58! That's, that's Broke college students. That is a big 58%. 67% of students living on campus are bettors and tend to bet a higher frequency when they're on campus. <laughs> 41% say they have... Bet on their school's team. Wait, are these athletes? No, these are not athletes. Oh, okay. These are these are these are just okay. general respondents. That's, that's, to a I survey. was like, I thought this was like an anonymous, like okay. But yeah. this does bring me back to the point on athletes is we're pushing it so much on college campuses, and there's so many people involved in it, and it's so easy. Uh, we have all these suspensions for guys, and we had the Iowa Iowa State situation not too long ago. Maybe we need to sort of look at how we're penalizing student-athletes, and also we need to probably, for college students who are broke, who don't have a whole lot of money, who are paying student, are going to have to pay student loans later, maybe we need to help them out and not push it on them as much. I mean, this is these are pretty substantial numbers, 58%. It feels like we are all kind of flying by the seat of our pants here a little bit with NIL and, and gambling happening so quickly that – you know, if it's <laughs> it can be overwhelming, you know, for us. I couldn't even imagine what it's like for an NIL student, for a college student who is trying to, you know, make some extra cash so that he can, you know, go out and party. It's not like, a way, it's not it's a way just, to go make extra money. Cash. Literacy is such an under important thing here, it's, yeah, and it's it not, really should be. not emphasized enough. No, it's not emphasized enough. <laughs> My gosh, I, I some of these things I learned today on this gambling survey. Go check it out. I think it's up on ESPN. I mean, that's that's a Big number, dude. It's huge. Fifty-eight percent, almost sixty percent. Man, six and ten students are are gambling right now on college campuses. <laughs> it's a lot. That's a lot. Now we have plenty to talk about. We'll talk about Ja. Uh, we, we'll, we'll we'll get to uh, the Grizzlies as a whole, uh, the Tigers and their NIL collective. We'll do that on the other side. Jeff Calkins will join the show in his normal time slot on the Gabe Coon Show, ninety-two nine FM, ESPN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.